date is July 19th, 2013, here at Free Admission for Real, freeadmissionfr.com. Also on iTunes, my name is JP Nichols, here with the latest edition of, I suppose you could say Nichols 5 Cents, or uh, the latest edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not. Quite frankly, I have not been on in quite some time to express my niceness or my meanness to Impact beyond uh, the Slammiversary review from uh, Marathonorama that I did with Ben about a month back. Uh, and beyond that, I think the only real TNA talk that's been on the board, uh, or on the board, uh, on our site, I should say, has was the uh, one-night-only talk from both Ben and I, respectively. And beyond that, it's been pretty quiet, I will admit. Um, but that's sort of uh, stated their, um, the state of their product right now, I would say. It's not necessarily terrible, but it's not good. It's very much right in the middle. I would say, like, the wrestling is fine, but not spectacular. It's just, it's not exactly setting the world on fire. But, uh, ironically enough, uh, they've had a pretty weird couple weeks the last couple weeks, so I thought that I would uh, come on here and talk about Destination X, uh, which was their television show last night, um, which was a pretty eventful show, all things considered. This is actually my second recording of this audio. I did record one right after I was done with watching the show last night, but I was, like, very out of it and sort of sick, so figured I'd get back on here. And it's now, since I'm recording now, it's been revealed that the show did a 1.16 rating, which I believe was up from their uh, last few weeks. So it was clear, at least, that uh, doing this show did appeal to some people, at least, by bringing in... Uh, good number of viewers uh, to watch this one in comparison to the last few weeks of television. But uh, TNA's been in a bit of a rough boat as of late, um, releasing many talents that were not just backstage, but also on camera. Uh, they lost a lot of their um, developmental talent, uh, a lot of guys from the Gut Check. In fact, I want to say they've actually released all of their people from Gut Check, with the exception of maybe Sam Shaw and Bradley. Um, because uh, two weeks back or so, they released Christian York, Crimson, uh, Madison Rain. Uh, that was actually contract expiring, and she left. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, um, and I want to say, oh, Joey Ryan, Joey Ryan. And uh, then shortly after that, Matt Morgan was gone. Um, and then this week, actually, uh, Tara was cut, and uh, Luke Gallo's contract expired. Doc. So, yeah, on top of that, also lost uh, D'Lo Brown as an agent and an on-screen talent, and Bruce Pritchard as the head of creative. So, not exactly looking good for TNA right now, bit of a rough boat. It's recently come out how expensive it is for them to run the road, which is something that pretty certain most people uh, were completely aware of, which is why they stuck in Orlando for a while, and really, uh, they in my opinion at least, it, until they were able to get themselves in a situation where they could at least handle their finances to a point that would allow them to go on the road, they should have stuck around there, but they're sort of stuck where they are now, so you got to make the best out of a bad situation depending on uh, how long they may even be around to make the best out of that. But, for what it's worth at least, I thought last night's show, Destination X 2013, was an enjoyable show. Uh, for a television episode, obviously, when you compare it to previous Destination X's, which were pay-per-view events and thus an hour and a half longer, you're not going to get the same kind of match quality that, uh, like, last year I thought was a pretty great show, honestly. Had, like, three really good matches. 
uh, all of which I talked about in my cheap plug of uh, the best of Destination X. Um, so if you have not read that yet, you can go and check that out on freeadmissionfr.com. Also, uh, while I'm throwing uh, articles out there, I did a recent article with uh, Wrestling on Earth, uh, Typical Rage Fans, and Tom Blackett's site, uh, which I got to talk about some of my favorite matches in TNA history, uh, my favorite performers in the company currently. Um, ironically enough, who would be the one to take the title from Bully Ray, which I ended up being incorrect on, as well as other things. So go ahead and check out their site. Their Twitter is at Wrestling Earth. Very fun. Uh, one one article actually that they recently did was a review of a brown bag special from Don West, which I thought was pretty spectacular. But moving on, uh, getting into the show, they brought in uh, some names from the past, some names that are a bit more current today as well, and uh, put on a pretty decent show. So we started off the show with a view of these nine guys, which were... Uh, the current ones were Kenny King, Manic, a.k.a. T.J. Perkins under the suicide mask, and Chavo Guerrero. Then for the past, we had Homicide, Sanjay Dutt, and P.D. Williams. Uh, I made a post about this earlier, not to go off topic, but uh, I just found it incredibly ironic that these three guys were identified as the past, and Chavo Guerrero was identified as the present, but I digress. And then we also had, from the future, Rockstar Spud, uh, Rubik's, a.k.a. Jigsaw, and Greg Marjulo. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, then I will just call him Trent Beretta for the remainder of this audio. So, uh, running some pretty good names. I would say a bit more of a star-studded lineup than what they had for Destination X the previous year. Which, uh, in itself, when they had their uh, tournament last year, I wouldn't say that the uh, people that they selected were bad or anything. But it's just like there are options out there that I would think would have been a bit more strong. And I felt that this brought a bit more to that a uh, bit, bit more quality overall in that regard. But um, we then had a really awesome video package hyping up Saban and Bully Ray. And uh, any person I think watching this felt after it was done that Saban very well could win the belt here. Uh, very well done video package. Which uh, actually was a follow up from uh, uh, last week in the sense of Saban had a really great promo to promote the match as well. Probably the promo of his career. So if you've not seen that before this show, I would check it out. Um, we had Bully Ray come out to the ring, called out Brooke Hogan. Uh, two went back and forth until Hogan came out. Um, <laughs> very, very hot way to start off the show, let me tell you. Uh, when I think X Division, that uh, these three are exactly who I think of. And I like Bully Ray, so put it that way. Um, we then had Kurt Angle and the rest of the main event mafia come on the screen and uh, promised a fight for tonight. We then had uh, Bobby Roode backstage after seeing a clip of uh, Aries and Roode from last year with Aries pinning him and winning the TNA title in a fantastic match. Uh, the mysterious interviewer came up to Roode, asked him his thoughts, uh, reminded him that it was a fluke. Roode at this point in the Bound for Glory series is 0-3. and three. Uh, So he has 0 points. I believe he's tied with two other people in having 0 points. I want to say Kazarian and Jay Bradley. They're only beating Joe Park, who has negative 10. So, at the very least, they're not the worst. But, uh, we had uh, Aries and Rude in a Bound for Glory series match. Good match, as uh, these two always produce. Aries, notably, uh, got rid of his mustache, and he's back in his wrestling machine uh, facial hair look that he had from the time of Generation Next versus the Embassy in 2005. Um, he also was working a bit more like a face here. 
which would sort of indicate to me that they're going to just go ahead and turn him, which I think that, I mean, at least, I always felt that he was, like, stronger as a heel, I mean, but he can at least play a very good underdog when given the opportunity, uh, good example of that would be his match with Bully Ray at Sacrifice 2012, um, but, uh, I mean, at, at least, with the very least with him, the crowd always gets behind him, he's substantially one of the most over guys on the show, so, if they end up going with that, I'm okay with it. But uh, some really good stuff in this match, a lot of really good counters. Uh, both men seem very motivated, much more than recent weeks. Not that they weren't motivated, but they've just been sort of going through the motions with the matches that they've been put in, and here they are in the opener from main event of last year. So you could tell that they were trying to uh, put on the best match possible, and I thought that they had the best match on this particular show. Aries won clean with the Brain Buster. Uh, Rude flipped out after the match, throwing chairs throwing a soda can, breaking a monitor, etc. He was not happy to now be 0-4 in the Battle for Glory series. We then uh, went backstage. Um, oh, no, this actually was before the match. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> all over the place. Uh, we, we showed uh, Gail Kim backstage tweeting from her phone that she was the Twitter ambassador for the first hour of the show. But uh, after the Aries and Rude match, we saw Homicide catching up with Hernandez. Then Chavo came up, and what was like a pretty awkward little moment there, because it's like, you know, hey, look, this team was better, and now I'm teaming with them, and you're going to be retiring this year. Very bothersome. <laughs> very, very bothersome. What was more bothersome was the fact that uh, Chavo indicated that after he's going to win the exhibition title, maybe they will do him and Hernandez in the main event of Destination X next year. And, yeah, somehow I do not foresee that happening whatsoever. But, uh, uh, we then went to Mr. Anderson backstage informing the Aces and A's that Doc turned in his cut due to losing the VP vote last week. And Anderson said that tonight's a big night and asked what they're all doing, and they get hyped up and exit. Which, uh, they had to get Luke Gallows out of storyline in some capacity, and he's really the biggest casualty, I feel, out of the, uh, people that have been cut. Uh, I didn't really elaborate enough on that when I mentioned the people that have been released. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, I would honestly put number two, just for the fact that the knockouts division is very, very depleted, and I feel that she's a very good talent. Um, but Gallows is someone that uh, WWE really dropped the ball with, I felt. Um, I was actually pretty excited once uh, TNA signed him, and before they got into the Aces and Eights garbage and uh, indicated that Mike Knox would be getting signed as well, I was hoping that they would make the two of them a tag team because it's like a very, uh, I mean, until the Wyatt family ended up making it into WWE, a very big style tag team is not exactly very common in wrestling right now. And I actually like both those guys. I feel both of them are pretty underutilized and underrated. But uh, unfortunately, we have uh, Gallows now. He's a free agent. So hopefully someone decides to pick him up and start using him appropriately. We then had our first of the three X-Division qualifying matches to head towards Ultimate X next week to crown the first ever X-Division champ- or, excuse me, not first ever, the first ever was 11 years ago, um, but uh, the new X-Division champion. Uh, we had Sanjay Dutt, Homicide, and Petey Williams. Had about four minutes, packed about as much action as you can into four minutes. Sanjay in particular looked fantastic. Uh, he, he's always been great, and I've never understood why TNA, or really any company in general, after TNA cut him, has not utilized him more. Ring of Honor did for a bit, but they had him feud with Delirious throughout all of 2009, which was just very stagnant and pretty much lame feud, no other real way of putting it. 
And beyond that, TNA has been using him here and there for the last year, but has not gotten serious. And they always bring up the point that it's like he's the best guy to have never won the exhibition title, so it's like, why not give him the exhibition title? But, I digress. PD also looked very good. Uh, Homicide, he slowed down a lot in recent years, like, uh... I mean, even in his uh, last Ring of Honor run, and even his recent appearance in FIP, like, uh, you can tell that he's banged up. I mean, like, as an example, he can't, he does not go for the tope con Hilo anymore, which is always one of my favorite things that he did. But, uh, at the very least in this match, we did get a gringo killer, or a cop killer, depending on how you look at it, which looked like it resulted in the death of Petey Williams, but thankfully he's apparently alright. And, uh... Sanjay ended up getting the pin, following a slice bread number two, then following up with a moonsault double stomp, which looked absolutely devastating. Uh, one of the best moves out there, and if anything, he should be on TV just to do this move all the time, because it's really one of the most uh, death-defying visuals you will see in quite some time. Just because it's like, whoever he hits it on, you just feel like they're just in absolute pain and agony. <laughs> and, uh, and then Sanjay just comes off looking, like, fantastic after it's done. But, uh, very entertaining match. We then had, uh, a graphic showing Sanjay and the, the winners of the following two matches uh, move on to Ultimate X. We then went into the next match, which was Kenny King versus Manic versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. And Manic, by the way, uh, for those of you who have not kept up with TNA very much, was uh, revealed to be TJ Perkins. This was not always the case, but this is the story. Uh, TJ Perkins uh, had his suicide gear taken from him a couple weeks ago when Ares took it to win the exhibition title and uh, take advantage of the option C that he established last year to have the shot at Ray tonight. But they ended up doing another three-way with uh, Suicide, Saban, and Ares, where Saban won back the exhibition title only... After they had established who Perkins was, established him by name, they put him back in the suicide gear and changed his name because... Why not? That's <laughs> honestly the best I've got for it. But, uh, Kenny King, Manic, Chavo Guerrero Jr. Uh, not as good as the last match. I thought it was, like, a bit more, a uh, bit more slow-paced. Uh, you're gonna get that with Chavo in there. Who, at least, you know, in some situations in TNA has shown that, uh, he, he can speed up when he wants to. I thought that he actually had one of the better performances at, uh, Lockdown 2013 in that three-way tag. But, uh, with this one, he was, uh, all three guys were sort of, like, waiting around for the next move to happen, I felt. But, uh... Manic, Perkins, Suicide, however you would like to describe him, got the pin after uh, doing his uh, Tiger Suplex uh, position into a gut buster, double underhook gut buster on Kenny King for the 1-2-3. We then saw Main Event Mafia meeting backstage. Angle asked everyone if they were ready for the first part of their mission tonight. Rampage Jackson said that he was ready to knock someone out. Uh, Magnus seconded this, and we went to commercial. Uh, we then had, saw the video again from the beginning of the show, Saban. We then had Saban and Hulk Hogan backstage, sitting in the dark, pondering their thoughts and look at things, until Hulk Hogan ultimately said, brother, and uh, decided to give Saban a pep talk. Uh, had one piece of advice for him, which is, at the end of the night, just make sure that everybody watching remembers him, and bring the title home to TNA. And Saban thanked Hogan, and they shook hands. Then at the top of the hour on our X Division show, we had the main event mafia of uh, Sting, Joe, Angle, 
Magnus, and Rampage Jackson. Four of these five men were in suits. I would give you one guess as to which one was not in the suit. But uh, they all took turns talking. Sting, Angle, uh, then Magnus, who got the crowd very riled up to the point of resulting in a Mafia chant. Um, Mr. Anderson and the Aces and Eights came on the screen. Anderson said they do things on their time and have to conserve their energy for the uh, post-show celebration and invited them to come backstage and meet them. Uh, Joe responded and said that the Mafia is thirsty. He asked Rampage Jackson if he was thirsty, to which Rampage responded with grabbing his crotch and saying that he's thirsty. Actually, yes. And Joe said that they are going to go drink the Aces and Aids drinks and kick their asses. Somehow they did not realize that this was going to be a trap, but when you have Sting in a group who's uh, known as probably one of the more incompetent faces of all time on screen, that's bound to happen. Uh, they go backstage, see Mr. Anderson, who led them into a room. Fight breaks out. Uh, Ray and Devon uh, merge from the room that they're in. They, uh, Ray throws Angle into a wall. Uh, they barricade the door. And Ray throws Angle into the back of a truck. And the truck drives off. An open, flatbed truck. Uh, somehow meant to contain Kurt Angle. A guy who is a typical Rage fan put to me on Twitter is not afraid to jump off of moonsaults and, and do moonsaults off of cages, but somehow this open flatbed truck is supposed to intimidate him. Yeah, this was a very poor segment. <laughs> no other real way to describe it, really. Um, which led into some more wackiness later in the evening. Uh, we saw Aries backstage tweeting, He's taken over as a social media ambassador for the second hour. Uh, we then had our third match, uh, our third X Division qualifying match of the evening. Rubik's versus Rockstar Spud versus Trent Beretta. Uh, Trent Beretta, in particular, is uh, someone who's, uh, ever since being cut from WWE, he's been getting more and more work everywhere. Uh, I've seen him in uh, PWG, I saw him at Pro Wrestling Syndicate, saw him at FIP. Um, he's going to be on the Dragon Gate shows this weekend. And now here he is on TNA. And he's been uh, getting better and better with each appearance. Uh, oh, he was also in the Best of Super Juniors for New Japan. Don't know how, didn't think of that one immediately. But uh, he's been getting uh, drastically better in the ring. Not that he was bad at all, but you could tell that he still had like a bit of that WWE style to him. That even like London and Kendrick had after they were first cut from WWE and sort of got reaccustomed to the style. And uh, Jigsaw here, Rubik's, was also very good. Uh, Rockstar Spud, on the other hand, it was someone I've seen for a, quite some time, dating back all the way to when Ring of Honor first ran the UK. Uh, before that, actually, I think. Uh, this was his first TNA appearance, excluding the one-night-onlys that were taped, since he was first signed uh, to a contract in the UK back in January. And uh, he did not exactly have the best performance. Uh, the most notable uh, spot of the match was actually at one point when uh, Beretta did a uh, swanton dive over the top rope onto Rockstar Spud, having the uh, tallest guy in the match land on the smallest guy in the match, which looked very awkward. But uh, Beretta's dive is always impressive. Uh, Rubik's at one point did a coast-to-coast -coast, uh, RVD, Shane McMahon-style uh, dropkick from one turnbuckle to the other. Which they uh, shot horribly, by the way. They made it, uh, from their production standpoint, they had it so it like looked the least visually impressive as possible. And uh, 
Beyond that, uh, Trent ended up getting the win. Actually, this match, uh, one of the things I meant to mention was the fact that this match was the longest of the three exhibition qualifiers, getting a few more minutes than the other two. And uh, Trent got the win via a jig and tonic on Spud, ironically enough, using Jigsaw's finisher of old on uh, Trent, but or excuse me, on Spud, but Trent has actually used this move on, I think, every match that I've seen him have since going on the independent scene, so... A lot of people I haven't seen like a lot of his stuff probably were not aware of that, but it was funny because there was like a gigantic outcry on Twitter of "Oh my God, Trent's using the guy and the other uh, the other guy in the matches move." And it's just like, come on, guys, he's he's one that's going to win. Jigsaw's not use this move on TNA TV. I'm sure they talked about it before the match. It's fine, just stop. But uh, solid match for sure. And then we uh, had uh, uh, the graphic reveal that it's going to be Trent Retta, uh Manic and uh, Sanjay Dutt in the Ultimate X next week to crown the new X-Division champion, which uh, with those three should be a very fun match, as you would expect. One other note about this match was uh, the crowd in Louisville, Kentucky was uh, very, very energetic throughout, and I don't know when it exactly happened, but for this particular match, they were very drained. And when you have three guys that are sort of unknown in the Ultimate X next week, when that show was taped after this one, and they were sort of drained around this point. It'll be interesting to see exactly how the crowd responds to that match. We had Ray backstage on the phone, uh, gloating about kidnapping Kurt Angle and mocking Rampage. Told the truck driver to take Angle to the spot they talked about earlier, and Ray told the driver to make him an offer he could not refuse, and Ray hung up the phone. We then had uh, Mickey James making her way to the ring, but before that... We saw Kurt Angle uh, making his way backstage, having somehow uh, taken over the truck and driven back to the arena in Louisville for TNA. So, we did not see who was driving. We do not know the offer that was made. Uh, we do know that uh, Kurt Angle, though, was somehow... I know this is very shocking. He was not secured well in this truck and somehow managed to find his way to uh, get the driver to... Uh, vanish and make his way back to the arena. Very shocking. Very well thought out plan by the Aces and Aids here. Um, we then had Mickey James making her way to the ring, and uh, before I get into the promo, let me just say Mickey James is fantastic. <laughs> like, uh, her uh, role here, it sort of reminds me a bit of uh, Gargano's current role in uh, Dragon Gate and Evolve. Um, but uh, it's a bit more, I would say, heelish now. Like, uh, we had <laughs> when uh, she came out, she uh, motioned to the Impact Tron for footage uh, to talk about what happened last week, where last week they did the Taryn Terrell uh, Gail Kim ladder match, which was a good match. Excuse me, I did not feel that it was as strong as the Slammiversary match that the, the two of them had, but it was still good. But uh, on the screen, we <laughs> instead had footage of uh, Mickey James' show, uh, country music showcase, which. <laughs> <laughs> I personally found very amusing. Um, I cannot remember what she compared this to exactly. Um, like, comparing uh, how important this event was overall. I wanted to say it was, like, the biggest thing uh, since the invention of the Twinkie. I could be wrong. Oh, no, uh, she said that the, that the moon landing and the invention of the Twinkie, this was one of the greatest moments in history. <laughs> Which was incredibly amusing to me. Um... Uh, Gail Kim ended up interrupting, 
says that the only people think I mean, uh, the only thing people were actually talking about last week was her victory in the ladder match. Said the only thing that'll uh, make her package more perfect is the knockouts title. And James responded by saying that Kim is invading her uh, contractually obligated right to more space and told her to back off. And James said that Kim's la match last week was a solid two, but her music performance was five stars. And she counted this on her hand and attempted a slap, but Kim ducked and then slapped her. And a fight broke out in the middle of the ring, resulting in the two having to be pulled apart. Um, uh, referees separated the two of them. And... Well, I felt that this segment did detract from what was supposed to be an X-Division showcase show. I thought that the segment itself was performed very well. Um, Mickey, like I said, is very, very enjoyable. It's unfortunate that the division is sort of in shambles right now. Because right now you have Mickey, Gale, Terran, Velvet, uh, Tessmacher, and ODB as a referee. I suppose you could say Lady Tapa as well, but she's in developmental. So, not exactly a very strong and strongly utilized division at that, but Mickey's performing very well, and I thought Gale was good here, too. And uh, it was a good way to build next week's match. We had uh, Aries catching up with Saban backstage, said that he doesn't want to diminish what Saban has accomplished, but the only reason he's getting the world title shot is because of him. Aries said he helped raise Saban's game to a level that he didn't even know could perform on, and he said that he's pulling for Saban to get the job done tonight. Which, uh, I thought that this was a stronger segment, actually, to uh, put over Saban than the one with Hogan, of all, of all things. Uh, we then had AJ Styles backstage sitting on a stairwell, looking very much like Raven. And put over the fact that he put the X-Vision on the map, then turned his attention to the Battle for Glory series match next week uh, against Jeff Hardy. Called Hardy a hero, but then said that there's no place for heroes and he's taking his points next week. Uh, what they're doing with Styles is sort of confusing to me. Because following his uh, Turning Point 2012 loss where uh, he could not challenge for the belt for a year, I think everybody thought that uh, he would be the one to win the belt at Bound for Glory and have a complete redemption story. And uh, here we are three months out from Bound for Glory, and uh, Styles is pretty much, I would say, a complete heel. I mean, he hasn't been attacking... <coughs> Excuse me, he has not been attacking uh, bases often. I mean, the reason why he attacked Storm was because Storm was the one who uh, screwed him over and pinned him, caused him to be in uh, this situation with Belt. And then uh, he fought with Angle, but beyond that, sort of been only going after heels, but he's made it very clear that he's all about the money and whatnot. So it's like, hypothetically, he's supposed to go into Bound for Glory as potentially for a redemption story. I don't see how the fans are supposed to get behind him. But we will see when we get closer to Bound for Glory, I suppose. We then had the main event, Bully Ray, Chris Saban for the TNA title. Um, this match actually did feel like, to me, it had like a big match atmosphere. I was very much looking forward to this one when it was originally signed. Uh, because Ray is on top of his game, and Saban's actually been very, very good since returning, despite his knee injuries. Um, but this match, I would very, very... I, I really would be... Uh, <sighs> I'm trying to think of an exact way to word this without being too mean. <laughs> it was very underwhelming, considering the two involved. Like, uh, I understand that, like, uh, last year when they did Ares and Rude, they built up Ares incredibly strongly before that match. Because um, Ares had come in, he won his contract, Destination X 2011. He won the X Division title two months later, 
He held that belt until the following Destination X, beating a whole variety of opponents with the Brain Buster, which is a move that uh, they built up to be very strong, and like very little people ever kicked out of. He then beat uh, Ray and uh, Joe on back-to-back pay-per-views before facing Rude. Uh, Ray being a top heavyweight and Joe being a former world champion. And then uh, he ended up beating Root in a fantastic match last year, which I thought was the best match team they had all year. And uh, with this, I mean, with Saban, he just came back around March, April, and uh, won the exhibition title in June. Um, he's been built up as an underdog, but I do not feel that he's been built up as the kind of guy that, uh, like Aries as an example, who was someone that you felt could like could be a legit fighter in the sense of taking on guys like Joe and Ray. They did not make him out to be that kind of wrestler. Instead, with the way the match was worked, um, before the first commercial break, actually, it was like a bunch of talking until the main event Mafia came down uh, uh, to ringside after the Aces and Eights made their way out, which uh, I would have to assume Kurt Angle somehow, well, they freed them out of the closet that they were locked in. And if it were me, and I was freed out of this uh, closet deal, and I was coming down to isolate the Aces and Eights, that put me in there to begin with, I would attack them immediately. You know, even with the fact that there's a match going on, that's just how I would, rather than stand around and wait. Like, I would uh, immediately go after them, but instead, the, all the guys just stood around ringside and watched the match. But, uh, um, after all of them came out, Ray worked over Saban's right knee for a long, 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 long time. Like, forever, it felt like. Um, considering the fact that if, by my count, Saban got in, like, two points of offense in this match, which came before the actual ending of the match, which was an enzigiri, a drop kick, which then took out the ref, and resulted in a big brawl between the Aces and Eights and, uh, main event Mafia, which, um, I did not see, but I heard, like, a couple people tell me to go back and check. Uh, Rampage, I guess, had some, uh, offense that, uh, looked completely terrible. I mean, because you can tell that, obviously, he was, uh, trying to get in his wrestling punches in, but I guess he made him look very, very bad. Uh, Ray went for the bully bomb, uh, and this is actually, excuse me, uh, before the two bits of offense, Ray went for the bully bomb, then Saban made his counters, hit the Enziguri and, uh, top rope dropkick. Then uh, the interference happened, and uh, there was a hammer in the ring, and uh, Saban caught him with a boot in the midsection, grabbed the hammer. Um, so actually, there was three moves of offense from Saban, I'm sorry. Ray picked Saban up and uh, went for a powerbomb, and like WrestleMania 17 with Triple H and Undertaker, uh, Saban hit Ray with the hammer, landed on top, ref counted 1-2-3, and we had a new world champion, which at the very least, I will say, is absolutely the right result. Uh, Saban absolutely, I felt, should have won this match. Um, where they go with this story, I'm not sure, but I really felt that uh, <coughs> he's been one of those guys that uh, TNA has had for a long time, like Christopher Daniels. I feel like they've never really truly gotten behind, and those two in particular have been like two of the unsung heroes of TNA since its inception having countless great matches across the card, whether in, like, the first match or the main event. And uh, it's very nice to at least see that Saban finally got uh, got what he deserved. And the crowd responded to it appropriately. 
Only negative I can say is that after he won the belt, he kept him on camera for like a minute, and then we quickly faded to black. Last year when uh, Ares won the belt, I know I keep going back to that for comparison, but it's just the fact that that one was done so well, and this one I felt could have improved. Like, uh, last year, entire crowd was chanting Ares' name, confetti celebration, everybody, uh, everybody was happy. And, uh, while the crowd was responding to Saban here, like I said, they faded to black on him. It was almost like the old, uh, joke of, to the back with TNA. Only instead, this was fade to black. But, at the same time, I am happy for Saban. He is, uh, like I said, always been one of their stronger workers. And, uh, it's good to see that they finally rewarded him. Now, for his, whether or not how long he will hold the title, I know everybody last year predicted that Ares would have lost his, like, uh, by the next pay-per-view, which he did not. And actually went on to main event Bound for Glory and lose uh, to Jeff Hardy, who won the Bound for Glory series. I do not think that Saban will uh, manage to hold on to the belt there. I feel like he... They're doing the rematch, spoiler alert, at uh, uh, Hardcore Justice, which is also very ironic to me, considering that one of the one-night onlys was titled Hardcore Justice 2, and now we're having Hardcore Justice 1 after it which I find very confusing uh, to the casual viewer, but I digress. But uh, they're going to do the rematch there in a cage match with Aces and Aces and Mafia barred from ringside. And I can already tell you that I feel like that match will be much better than this one, just because that's how it works. And um, whether or not Ray wins the belt there or not, I mean, I feel like that they're going to end up going that route, but I would personally have much more interest in Saban going into the main event of Back for Glory because it's like, no matter uh, really who they have the title on, it just does not seem to really make a big difference in terms of their ratings or buys. So it's like, with that in mind, you may as well just go with what can get the best stuff possible. Which, uh, I mean, like when they did that with Aries last year, that was like my one of my arguments for that. Uh, and with Saban in this case, same argument. So, we will see, but at the same time, it's, uh, while TNA has had some really rough stuff going on backstage, they at least, uh, hooked me enough to the point where I actually would like to see where the product goes, because of the fact that they have Saban as champ. Uh, they have a pretty good-looking show next week as well, I mean, with the Ultimate Acts, they're doing AJ and Hardy, and, uh, they're also doing, uh, Joe and Daniels in the Battle for Glory series, which is always a good match. So they got some good stuff going on. But for Destination X overall, while not a spectacular show, I thought it was a very easy show to watch, even with some of the lame main event mafia stuff on it. All the exhibition stuff, it was short, so it wasn't like overly memorable, but it was all fun. Fun enough. Um the opening match with Brood and Aries I thought was a good match. Best match of the night. And uh well, I was pretty disappointed with the Saban and Ray match. It was at least uh a very good ending and a good way to end the show. So, thumb, uh, pretty much I would say maybe thumbs up show. I mean, just for the fact that it was at least enjoyable enough, but I mean, you're not going to get much in terms of the matches here. So if you're if that's like what you're looking for, you're not going to get a lot there. But uh, that wraps it up for today. Um, I hope to potentially be back over the weekend to talk the New Japan iPay-Per-View. Dragon Gate's also presenting an iPay-Per-View over the weekend, but the New Japan one with uh, Okada and Devitt's the one that I really want to watch, like... Uh, the top three matches on that show. Really, the whole card looks good, but those top three matches... Phew! Yeah, that's going to be really strong show. And then, uh, following up with that, 
Probably be back next week as well to talk the Dragon Gate, show, Dragon Gate USA shows that are coming up the following week in Queens, New York, and Manhattan. And also might talk about the uh, Ring of Honor TV taping as we begin the world title tournament uh, that heads towards Philadelphia. So you can follow me on Twitter at IamHollywood underscore twice. Um, and then you can follow at FreeAdmissionFR if you're not already. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And... That's it. So until next time, I am JP Nichols. I will talk to you all again very soon.